Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the mid-September, the Ides of September edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And behind him, for those of you without picture, uh, Gavin Sheets staring off into the distance at uh, a well-hit ball from Tuesday night. We're recording Wednesday afternoon after game one of the series with the Angels, who Really pretty much given up on the season, given what they're throwing out there for pitchers. Uh, tonight, I think, uh, I think the picture of Sheets is actually from uh, an earlier series. I just needed a, a good it's shot. It's the same look. Same, same look. Staring it down. Yeah, same yeah. look. Because that ball he hit, holy cow. <laughs> that, I mean, I think I saw a tweet that said it landed in Joliet, and I think that was an understatement. I, that that might have landed in a in Iowa or something like that. That was absolutely demolished. Uh, but yes, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so we're down to uh, mid September, the the tail end of the season, and the Sox uh, have two games left against major league teams. Uh, although, sort of a half of one, if the schedule is right, uh, it's supposed to be on Wednesday night. We'll have uh, Dallas Keuchel. Uh, Maybe his last chance to demonstrate that he really should be on the playoff roster. Uh, going against a kid named Junk, uh, appropriately enough, although he's not a junk baller, he's just a junk pitcher. He throws 60% fastball, so it doesn't qualify as a, a junk baller. But the fastball is only 91 or 92. Uh, he has three innings of major league experience in which he gave up six runs. 
only one of them earned. So he's got a nice ERA of 245 and an FIP of 10. <laughs> if you if your last name was Junk and your fastball was only 91, wouldn't you devote all of your time You'd to think a, so. a screwball, a knuckleball, uh, yep. you know, a you, you think nothing but breaking pitches. Yeah, but it just seems like a huge opportunity. 60% fastballs and about 20 each slider and curve and a, and a little bit of change up here and there. So jump, if you yeah, could, jump, if jump you could really, if you could really nail those junk pitches and your name was junk, I mean, you would be legendary. People, yeah. that would, that is a whole career worth of, of talk for the announcers and for podcast geeks like us. Uh, so sorry, Jansen junk, Jansen also bold first name, uh, Jansen junk. Uh, sorry, man. You gotta, you gotta get it together. With no one's, no one's out there looking for a pitcher whose last name is sixty percent ninety-one mile per hour fastball. Bring the junk, Jansen. Let's see it. Meanwhile, uh, it looks now. You said it's official. ESPN has just said it that Shohei Otani is going to pitch on Thursday afternoon uh, against Renato Lopez in that one. That should be a more interesting game. Uh, very interesting game. And that's about the last interesting game of the season. But the White Sox schedule, as you can guess, um, the easiest in baseball here on out. Um, they go to Texas, miserable, awful team for three games. They have six games against the Tigers left. How is six that possible? How is that possible? Do we just play the Tigers 160 times? I believe that's correct, except oh for the five God. games against the Indians. Uh, I cannot, I cannot even watch those teams anymore. I, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to watch those <laughs> games, but my goodness, we have, uh, baseball needs to do something about this. I am so tired of watching the stinky Tigers and the stinky Indians. Uh, yeah. So, well, we do. So the, the other two games, they yeah, have two games have with the Reds, who, who could still be fighting for a, a wild card spot. They're now a game behind, I think, both St. Louis and San Diego. So they're very much in, in it at this moment for a wild card spot. But those are the last two days of September. They may not be uh, by that point. But otherwise, I mean, it's just nothing. And the, interestingly, now when the, the there are a couple of places that do these power rankings for your for your, for your uh, strength of schedule. Uh, one has the Sox is by far the easiest. The other one has them only 29th with Milwaukee and easier, but the easiest in the American <laughs> League anyway. Uh, but they also have Houston with a fairly easy the 20th out of the 30 teams, which doesn't make any sense to me because they played the Rays three times, the A's six times. Other than that, they've, they've got the Angels in Arizona and Texas, which pretty simple. But uh, well, having having that combo of Angels, Arizona, and Texas probably is what knocks down your strength of schedule quite a bit. I mean, the Diamondbacks are pathetic. Texas is truly pathetic. The Angels are, you know, a lifetime disappointment for for my lifetime. Although, and, and they and they don't have Mike Trout. They don't have trout, you know, they're not, Otani can only pitch once every five days. And for some reason, they don't ever bother to get any other decent pitchers. Uh, so Houston also, I guess maybe you can argue, does, uh, does 
strength of schedule rankings take into account how you've done against those teams this year? I don't. I don't think so. Okay, because I would say maybe maybe we're in a world where Houston has kind of uh, done well against the A's, and and that would sort of soften that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're sitting in a spot right now where we should, even if we are preserving our pitchers, we should be able to pass Houston. I mean, there's no excuse to play the teams we're about to play and not end up ahead of them in the yeah, stand. We're, we're one we're one game behind them at the moment. Um, and that's even doing the preserving the pitchers thing. And then uh, Russo has been talking uh, about a six-man rotation. I think that's a great idea for uh, the rest of the regular season. Uh, they're obviously not pitching uh, to long times. Rodon went five. Uh, all the guys coming off the ILN went five. Last night, uh, Giolito only went four, 87 pitches in four innings. Now, he struck oh. out. He had a lot of strikeouts. That takes time. But still, that's an awful lot of pitches. The White Sox pitchers just lack efficiency. Uh, I mean, it's getting worse and worse, too. They had thrown 113 pitches through five innings yesterday, which put them roughly on pace for a 200-pitch game. That is absolutely unacceptable. That efficiency, you you can't do that in the playoffs. You cannot go to the playoffs and and throw 113 pitches in five innings and expect to win any sort of game. It was fine last night because they were playing against the Angels, a Mike Troutless Angels without Otani pitching. They were playing a joke of a baseball team, really. And, you know, they still gave up three runs to them early in the game. But that kind of efficiency is just absolutely dreadful, and it just drains the energy out of you as you watch these games where you're you're two and a half hours in and you're in the fifth inning because nobody can find the plate. And strikeouts are great. Having eight strikeouts through four is obviously very good, but it's not good if you throw 90 pitches to do it. It's just not good to only only make it four or five innings because you're throwing so many pitches. It's a huge problem. They really need to focus on this. The, with the rotation going forward, it does look like it's a it's a six man of Keiko, Lopez, Rodon, Cease, Lynn, Giolito. Uh, they really got to focus on these guys and and their efficiency. It it is just absolutely pathetic. You know, uh, interesting if philosophies change in baseball, but I remember back when uh, we were living in Dayton and the Dayton Dragons came into existence in 2000 uh, as the low A-ball affiliate of the Reds. And one of the big deals was that they were teaching, it was a Reds philosophy through their system, pitching to contact. And there was a contract. Well, should you pitch a contract or shouldn't you be trying to strike everybody out? <clears throat> and the whole thing about pitching to contact is, of course, if you get a guy to ground out to short on your second pitch, it's a whole lot more efficient than striking him out on your seventh pitch. And uh, it kind of is faded. And I, I guess it's faded as a philosophy because of the idea now everybody's just hitting for homers. So if there's contact, it's really loud contact and goes a long way. But it's kind of it's Greg Maddox did that basically. Oh, the, the oh. idea the the idea is to get the guy to hit your pitch. 
get the pull hitter to go after that low outside one because he has to, uh, and and try to pull it and ground out the shortstop or second, depending which hand this he is. Um, it's a much makes for a much more fun baseball, incidentally, for the for the fans not sitting there watching strikeout after walk after strikeout after walk. Oh, home run! Um, but the, I don't know when the philosophy died. I know, you know it's a chicken and egg thing. The philosophy died because people started going for homers. The people started going for homers because the philosophy died. Um, but you know the idea was your breaking pitch doesn't have to break a foot. If it breaks an inch, you get the ground ball, you know, or two inches. If you get the guy off that much, and I remember when we did the the show with Dr. Nathan, the the expert on baseball physics, and he was talking about the backspin being so important these days because of the home run uh, obsession. That you get the backspin when you hit slightly under the ball. So all you want is to get the guy to hit very slightly over the ball instead. So you know your sinkers, your Sliders, curveballs, whatever, whatever breaking pitch you've got, got change-ups for a lot of guys. It only needs to break enough that it it's below. Uh, uh, excuse me. Yeah. So it's below the bat. You know the, the the bottom edges of the bat. So he's he's not hitting under it. He's he's hitting over it. Uh, but that's got by the boards. We got all the strikeouts now. We we have what we have. Six-man rotation, I like it. Uh, you know, we've got, we we talked about that. Is it more important to have rested pitchers or to get home field advantage? Um, I think we're in with Larusa on the fact that rested pitchers is is more important. Uh, well, and the thing that's nice about this six-man rotation is we're resting pitchers, but we're because of the resurgence of Ronaldo Lopez, we're not actually just throwing away. Yeah, that, I mean, you could get you could get win-win. You could get yeah. both. You could get both home field advantage and rested pitchers. That, that's that's the goal. I mean, looking at what we have coming up, Keuchel is sort of just the only guy you're throwing out there just to eat up innings and and get you through a game. Of course, he usually throws four or five. But uh, you know, other than that, everybody else who's pitching is a game that you could certainly win. I mean, the other the other and five Cease has guys been, ceases, but uh, well. Yeah, Cease's last start was just wild. I mean, he started looking so good and then just fell apart as much which is, as you which, could fall which apart. Is, which is his history, you know? Yeah, yeah. Most of his innings are good, and then one goes. Uh, I think it's got to be metal. Uh, he just falls apart, and everything goes. But but speaking of the, the efficiency thing, which, of course, Cease has got – no efficiency whatsoever. Worst, worst, worst starter in baseball. Worst starter in baseball. And and Giolito is, I think, it, he's got to be top five, something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's just so interesting because from my pitching days, which, of course, I did not pitch at a professional level, but any time I threw a ball, I was pissed. Any time I threw a ball, whether it was in the zone, if it was out of the zone, or – if I couldn't get the guy to swing at it, I was pissed. I never wanted a ball on the count. I wanted it to go either to 0-2 to a strikeout or just to a ground ball or an easy fly ball right away. This The willingness to throw so many balls in the dirt and so many balls high and out of the zone, 
I just don't understand it. It's so well, unbelievably inefficient. And in a time when these pitchers are, are taking a minute to reboot between pitches so they could throw 98 miles an hour each time, it seems like it would be even more of a priority to focus on command. Because you, when you're you know, rearing back to throw 100 every time, every time you miss is a big failure. It is a big failure. It, it takes a lot out of you. It causes you to fall behind in the count, causes you to walk a lot of guys. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand this unwillingness to throw those balls at the bottom of the zone with that little bit of break on them that gets you that ground ball. Now, I realize, you know, uh, some guys are going to pound the low ball uh, at the bottom of the zone, lefties in particular. That's kind of what they have eaten for breakfast historically. So it does require some scouting still to know which guys to avoid that with. But it really just blows my mind how guys are willing to go to three and two to try to get the strikeout. And it just is completely inefficient baseball. What's the point of having fielders out there, especially fielders? We we have a pretty good infield when it's Moncada, Anderson, uh, Cesar, and Jose. And what's the point of having those guys if you're going to walk a bunch of people and strike out a bunch of people? Pitch for the ground ball. It's not even just, you know, Greg Maddox is, of course, the iconic example of pitching to contact and pitching to get the ground ball. But that was true of a lot of those guys. I mean, Pedro Martinez pitched to get the ground ball. Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson is a a bit of an exception because he threw so hard because he was so tall. Uh, but even Randy Johnson was often pitching to contact. He he did of course, strike Ke- out a Keichel lot of guys. Historically, that's Keiko. Right. Now, unfortunately, with Keiko, he's got sort of so little left in the tank at this point that He's pitching to very hard contact, and he's pitching – he's hanging a lot of his pitches. And there's there's a huge difference between, you know, hanging a breaking ball and throwing one that should lead to to soft contact. And it, it's, it's just a lost art. You know, it, it was something – If even in our own system, Mark Burley, one of the best yes. pitch-to-contact pitchers in, in White Sox history. You know, the guy – just one out there, and his efficiency came from: Can I get out of this inning in nine pitches? Can I? Can I? If if can I get out of this inning in six pitches, seven pitches? If I let the guy hit the ball, and the, and the so, games lasted two hours and fifteen minutes. I know, and and this inefficiency is is killing baseball. It's killing baseball to sit there and watch a hundred and thirteen pitches. And I know I'm harping on that number, but that number is ridiculous ridiculous that it you should not be at 113 pitches in nine innings you shouldn't you absolutely should not and to be at 113 pitches in five is is shameful i mean you're 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 slowing down the game at such a a violent rate that these games are going to be five and a half hours long but by the end of, of 2025 if we don't do something about it and and I don't know where this mindset of inefficient pitching comes from, but it is absolutely absurd to to go out there and not try to put almost every pitch on the edge of the zone. 
And I get that hitters are really good. Hitters can catch up with pretty much everything. But and hitters will are swinging for the fences, so they go after sliders that are five feet outside and bouncing and, and fastballs in their eyes uh, on occasion. And, and, and there are hitters realize, where you know you can do that too. And when you've got exactly, you've got the you've got the tape, you've got the footage, you know who you can do that to. You know that if you have an O2 on you know, Miguel Cabrera, chances are if you throw a low slider, bury a slider, you've got a good shot at getting that strikeout. But most of the time, you should be pitching to to contact. You should be making the fielders work. And I, it, it just really concerns me. Um, you know, obviously, I'm very pro Ethan Katz. I think Ethan Katz has done a really great job. But this whole, it does not seem like the White Sox are trying to pitch efficiently. And that is really problematic. It seems like they go out there thinking, well, if I get to three balls, I get to three balls. As long as I get the strikeout, it doesn't matter. Well, if you get to three balls, you're going to walk a lot of guys. You're going to walk a lot of guys. I don't care how good you are. If you get to three balls, you're walking people. Uh, and I just, as a pitcher, I, I don't understand. I mean, I any any pitch that you don't get people to swing at and that doesn't paint the corners of the zone is a wasted pitch. It's a waste of time. Now, if you got a guy who's going to chase one up on an 0-2, and then throw it, of course. It, a four-pitch at bat is fine. That gets you a 12-pitch inning. That's not so bad. However, when you go to 3-2 plus eight foul balls, uh, it's, it just makes for a tedious experience watching people pitch. And, uh, I just think that could absolutely kill the game. And I do think it's one of those things that also won't change until they get a pitch clock and until they really enforce this. I mean, it's nonsense what people are doing. Let's take a quick break. I'll stop ranting about that. Uh, and we'll, we'll come back in the end, talk more things socks. So, uh, uh, we will be right back on sharing socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. You just heard me in my long-winded rant about pitch uh, efficiency or very much lack thereof. Uh, Geezer, what's on, what's on the agenda? Well, let's, let's, let's go out. Uh, there's some other things to talk about for sure. One, uh, Tony La Russa, Tuesday night after Aloy saved a home run and then fell down, and everybody goes, <laughs> uh, but he was fine. He apparently was just kind of having some fun, really, because the lawyer likes to have fun. Uh, but Tony said, 
That's not to happen again. That is never to happen. He is to go back and put his back against the wall. He is not in any way to go <laughs> over the fence. Furthermore, he's to play deep. He said he was playing shallow. I think it was Fletcher was the batter he was talking about. I, I said, hey, Fletcher can hit the ball. Get it back. And he, he never wants Aloy doing everything but, but coming forwards because of the, the danger of injury is so high. And Aloy, I think we've said it before. I think everybody said he's a much better fielder this year than he's ever been. But he's still prone to to injury and to, to strange happenings out there. So that's the first step in the outfielders is we're going to control the boy and he's not, not going to take chances, and particularly against this schedule we're playing. Hey, and I, and Larissa said that some balls drop in, they drop in. So, yeah. Um, meanwhile, on the outfield, um, we have Andrew Bond that's gone to the IL with a back problem. He, I think he was like two for his last 30 or something. Maybe he's been in a miserable slump anyway. And could very well be injury caused. So he's out. Adam Engel's supposed to come back on the road trip, which is starts in Texas and goes to Detroit and whatnot. Um, so he should be back soon. And if he comes back in any kind of shape like he was during the few games he's played this year, I think 33 games is, is all he's played, oh. which is just too bad because I, I'm a huge Adam Engel fan. And when he's out there in the outfield with uh, Luis Robert, you know, Aloy doesn't have to cover much. They can they can do that. It's just uh, between you and the foul line, and the, these other two guys will take care of it. Uh, and his hitting is Engel's uh, hitting has been great. So I think having him back will will make a huge difference. Um, Goodwin is is filled in fine, especially a, against righties. But he's really at best mediocre at, as as an outfielder. Uh, and Engel's a better hitter too, so that'll be that'll be good to get those guys back or get him back in the outfield. And- There's no doubt about that. I mean, obviously Adam Engel uh, is a, an undeniable asset to this team. I I just don't trust for two seconds that he's going to play more than a game when he comes back. Uh, the injuries this year have just been nonstop for him. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, I, I picture a difficult road to winning a World Series without Adam Engel healthy and either in the lineup or coming off the bench. And I don't know. I don't know that he can do it. I, I don't know why he is having so much trouble with that this year. He's just in a constant state of injury. Uh, Vaughn, I think, you know, with that terrible slump he's been on, back pain and problems does explain a lot of that uh you know batting with a bad back ain't gonna do you much good so it's good but man another White Sox outfielder on the on the IL and while Aloy as you said is is not the liability that he once was you know he's one goofy mistake away from going back on the IL and I just, I, the Adam Engel thing is, is just so puzzling to me how he just cannot stay healthy. It's been, I think in a lot of ways, one of the most harmful things to this season has been, uh, only having Engel for 33 games. That is wild. That is wild. That is how much time we have not spent with an elite outfield. When he is out there, our outfield is elite, even with Aloy in left field. Just because when you got two of the best five outfielders, you got a pretty, pretty darn good outfield. Uh, but yeah, it's it, the injuries are of course killing us every day more and more and more and more. Uh, was it to, did Tapera go on the uh, 
injured list as well. Vera went on his 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 should be a like a ten day or something like a some bad cut on a finger some something that, that right be right when you will. Tamara, I said we talk about the the, uh, the mid season uh, move on to a different area of the, the mid season moves. The Tapera one obviously was excellent. He's pitched very well, and we give up pretty much zero for that. The Kimbrel one, I don't think is going to look good on Rick Hunt's scorecard. Um, Kimbrel, you know, career-wise, obviously Craig Kimbrel has had a fantastic career. But, you know, it's not just with the Sox this year that he's been awful. He was awful last year. He had a late start to the season. You explain that. He was awful in 2019. He was great again for a little while with the Cubs this year before he came to the White Sox and, and sunk back down again. Uh, there is a $16 million team option for next year. No. Unless he comes into game seven of the World Series and strikes out three guys in a row, you know, uh, comes in with the bases loaded to save Hendrick. Um, I don't see how you do it. You'd, you'd have more than $30 million tied up in two relief pitchers. Uh, it doesn't seem to go. I, I think <laughs> there's no way. No way. And of course, you, you, you've lost Madrigal for five or six years. Uh, which is a huge loss. I'm sorry, Hernandez is a negative war since we've had him. Yes, he, he, nice glove man. He handles glove well he, on, the, on the rest of it. And he's not all that great in the field. Yes, he won the gold glove. He's last not year. amazing. He's, yeah, he, he really isn't. He's been kind of a disappointment, but he is, he's reliable enough at second base. He's, yeah, he's what, I mean, he's fine. Yeah, he's going to be out there. But the, the Kimbrel thing, you know, saves wise, We've got all this money now tied up in in our dual closer thing. White Sox are absolutely average. If you take save percentage as a team, 14th in the majors. Well, that's about as average as you can get. Uh, and Hendricks himself is like at 83%, very, very average. Uh, I mean, his situation, when the slider is working, the other guy's going – Walking up to the plate is just a waste of time. <laughs> You're just going to walk back again. When the slider's not working, he's very vulnerable. Uh, and one thing he doesn't do is go to three, two, and walk people. I mean, he he doesn't let that. He doesn't walk anybody much. Uh, well, Hendricks oh. Hendricks has that same thing I had. Where you see when Hendricks throws a ball, he is pissed. He throws a ball and he is just like walking around the mound, just <laughs> livid with himself. Uh, I love that about him. I think Kimbrell is a huge problem. I I would not throw Craig Kimbrell in a game that you are you either need to be up by eight or down by ten. I I think to throw Craig Kimbrell at this point. Oh, he the other thing I wanted to throw in on that trade, Cody Hoyer has been lights out for the Cubs. <laughs> Well, and Cody Hoyer was a, a piece that everyone was very interested in before the season oh, started. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a future closer. He's, he's going to back in. And then he was very bad this year. But with the White Sox, he's great with the Cubs. So. To be fair, going from pitching in the AL Central to the NL Central is actually a downgrade somehow. The yeah, NL it's about Central, the same. <laughs> the teams they've been playing are, are just so bad. Uh, but yeah, it's it's starting to look like that was a really really terrible deal. I mean, to lose Madrigal and Hoyer and Madrigal, you know, we it's a lot of years. I'm not sure Madrigal's actually gonna be 
that great in the end. I, I think he's always going to be good, uh, but his ceiling, I think, is 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 fairly low. However, he would have been cheap, and we had him locked up for a long time. And and now the Kimbrel thing, there's no chance in hell I give him a sixteen million dollar deal next year. I would stop throwing Kimbrel for the most part unless I had to this year. Just leave it to Hendricks and just pray to the baseball gods that the slider is there. Uh, Hendricks, you know, uh, maybe it energized him a little bit when Kimbrel came over. Uh, we didn't see that right away. He was actually pretty terrible right when we got Kimbrel. Um, but I would rather put my eggs in the Liam Hendricks basket, which we've already put the eggs in, uh, than, than give Kimbrel another year. No chance. Uh, Tapera is absolutely the best move we made. Uh, I'm, I'm really hope whatever his finger thing is gets solved because he is really the only guy I trust coming out of the bullpen completely right now. When Tapera comes in, I'm all, I always feel pretty good. He has not ever since his first couple outings, he's looked pretty sharp and, uh, he's been very reliable, um. And, I, you know, Crochet has been very good on and off, uh, but still, of course, very yeah, young. Kopech's on and off. Uh, Ruiz has been pretty good, actually, uh, but he can have some really bad ones. The guy who's coming around, though, and we've both been fans of his for a long time, and we're going, what the hell happened to him? Uh, Bummer's been looking quite good lately. Yeah, he is. he has been getting back on track, and thank goodness. Because I honestly think there is no chance, no chance we take uh, a deep run in the playoffs without Aaron Bummer pitching at least somewhat as good as he did uh, over the last couple of years. Because to have, to have, you know, one, we have the one power lefty in, in Crochet coming out of the bullpen. Uh, but we really need that, that sinker that, that bummer has and and if he's got it and he's getting back in shape that changes a lot of things uh but i'm still not there yet with him on on whether or not it's gonna last for us it could just be streaky it could just be that we're playing some pretty bad squads but uh yeah my my biggest concern hands down going into the postseason is the bullpen which as we've mentioned this before that was preseason the one thing we weren't worried about <laughs> was the bullpen. We thought, oh, my gosh, you're going to have a game where Kopech, Crochet, Bummer, and Hendricks, holy crap, our bullpen may never give up a run. And now we're sitting here going, well, okay, as long as our starters only give up three and our offense scores nine, then we should be okay because the bullpen will give up five. Uh, they didn't give up any yesterday. They did not, and and – Kudos to them on that. Although, uh, yeah, I guess Wright didn't end up giving up any runs. No, he walked the bases loaded. Yeah, talk about efficient. (laughs) (laughs) And and Wright's been getting a lot of action. I'm not sure what Tony loves about him. So I mean, he was a, you know, a discard, uh, literally picked off the discard pile, Uh, and he's done okay. Although walking the bases loaded probably is is unattractive. (laughs) I got out of it. I mean, I guess you're just pitching him to rest people, of course. Uh, but, yeah, I I don't see what Tony sees or what Ethan sees. I don't see any really good stuff. You know, it's not like 
when we would watch Ronaldo Lopez over the years, it was always, man, when this guy's on, he's really got good stuff. The guy like has C's. the guy exactly, exactly like these. Guy has raw talent. The guy can pitch. It's just he's only doing it once every three times he goes out there. And I I've, I don't see that stuff with Wright at all. And I, I'm sure he's just a September, you know, fill up some some space kind of guy so that we're not driving our relievers into the ground. Because, you know, resting the relievers in this time is just as important as, as resting those starters. Uh but yeah, the bullpen is is just a, a really, really bad question mark for me. I'm very concerned about it. When you're talking about these teams that we're going to be facing in the playoffs, and you know, if you make it to the World Series, let's say, and you're going up against the Brewers bullpen or the Giants or the Dodgers, whew, that is not easy. That is not easy. They are far better than us right now, uh, and and that's a that's a major concern. Um, uh, I think we are about at our time for today. Do you have any uh, final final topics you want to discuss before we have oh, to part ways? One thing to throw in, because uh, obviously we're going to face Houston in the first round unless something really bizarre happens uh, between now and October 3rd. Uh, Grindke yesterday, absolutely shelled by the Texas Rangers. So that's looking plusish for the White Sox right there. I don't think there's really any reason to be afraid of Zach Greinke uh, at this point. I I like Greinke. I think he's interesting. I think he's obviously been 100% elite at times in his career. Uh, but Greinke to me is, is not a, oh, well, we're going to lose the Greinke game. So we we really got to focus on the other ones. I you know you throw Lance Lynn out there against Granky or Rodon. Uh, that's a that's a game the Sox can definitely win. I I have full faith in that. Uh, we we should without question be able to beat Houston in a series. Um, we are I do believe the better team when everyone is healthy. However. <laughs> With this White Sox team, we also know no one is ever healthy. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Thankfully, though, we have Tim Anderson back. Watching the White Sox play without Tim Anderson is, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, tying a, a, an anvil to a, a bald eagle and telling it to soar. It is so, so excruciating to watch the the dull drab sinking energy of this team when TA is not in the lineup. It, he's even in the dugout and and the energy the team's energy just dies. It's 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 awful to watch. They're they're really a a boring and awful team to watch when when he's not in the lineup. I, I think that's pushing it a little. No, it, it I I don't. It is it is a different energy. It is it is not fun. It slows everything down. But when he's in the lineup, I think we are, without a doubt, the most fun team to watch in baseball. Because he talk about like the intangibles that can make or break a team. Tim obviously has the tangibles as well. Uh, but when you're talking about a, a guy who could lead you to winning at all, T.A. has got to be in that lineup. The dog days of summer felt like they were <laughs> crawling uh, toward the finish line without T.A. in the lineup. And 
it's nice to have him back. That's my long way of saying. PA, welcome back. So glad you're with us again. We desperately needed your energy. Uh, and then I think we, before we should end, we should talk about Luis Robert real quick and give a shout out to uh, a guy who is, you know, really developing into what we all thought he was going to develop oh, yeah. into, Absolutely. which is, you know, a Mike Trout level of talent. The guy's been hitting about a, a thousand since he came back from his IL stint. It's it's remarkable. Well, he, and, he, and, he and Grandall between them right now is just. Both Grand back Dahl, from stints. You know, if Grandall <laughs> gets amazing. on base tonight, it's a franchise record. So it's it's what Grandall is doing. And and it's not even the same Grandall as it was before, where he wasn't really hitting much, but he was walking every at bat. So he had the best OBP in baseball with while hitting one fifty. Well now the guy's hitting four hundred pretty much since he came back. Plus he's taking walks. Grandall is the guy I would uh, fear most in this lineup right now if I were a pitcher, just because he bats on both sides as well. Uh, but Luis Robert, wow, what a what a relief to watch that guy play and just see him lock in. And I'm sure he'll they'll figure out some pitch things to to control him at some point a little bit more. But you know, batting 350 in the bigs is batting 350 in the bigs, and and he, obviously his defense is undeniably great. Uh, his only defensive lapses are when he is a little too confident and uh, gets a little lazy. But he uh, he's a sight to watch. My goodness. And I just can't wait to see what he does over the rest of the season and in the playoffs and next year. It's just one of those moves where we all get so excited about a guy coming up. He comes up and he doesn't disappoint at all. He just really lights a fire under this team. I think if if Robert hadn't been in the lineup while T.A. was out, it, it, we would have lost a lot of those games. And uh, it, it's just great to see him doing what he's doing. But that is all the time we have for today on Sharing Socks. Geezer, any final thoughts? Nope, that'll do it. All right. Well, thank you so much. We will be back next week as we uh, head toward the end of this 2021 season and towards our uh, pretty much guaranteed at this point uh, division win and playoff berth. I forget what the magic number is tonight. I think maybe eight, uh, something like that. Uh, but we very, should. Oh, I had I wrote it down somewhere, but uh, uh, whatever it is, it's, it's seven, five, seven, seven. You know, magic number is pretty. That one's pretty irrelevant. Uh, but yes, it will be lovely when we clinch it. Uh, unlikely to happen, but could technically happen by the time we uh, get there next week. We'll see what goes on. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.